Let's turn back to Mark chapter 4 again. Mark chapter 4 as we conclude our series on answering, as it were, uh, what limited way that we can, uh, the question that the apostles had there in the ship, as they said, what manner of man is this? And we come to that last answering, as it were, of that question. Let's read verses 35 through 41 for our text. Does it, and the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we come to thee. We thank you again for the opportunity that we have to be in thy house, to gather ourselves together as believers, to fellowship one with another, to lift our hearts in praise to, and worship of thee, to give that which you have so freely given to us. And Father, as we come now to the hearing of thy word, I pray that you would settle our hearts and minds, that we are open and receptive vessels. Father, moldable pieces of clay in thy hand to be shaped into the image of Christ. Father, I pray that we have learned much, and Father, we have grown much as we've considered what manner of man is this. As we have looked at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and what he has done and what he is doing in the midst of us. And Father, truly may it bring awe to consider what manner of man. And rejoice that he is our redeemer, our savior, our friend. He is our constant companion. He is the shepherd of our soul, as we will see here in just a little while. We pray, Father, that we would be encouraged in thee. Again, we pray for that soul that may be lost. We do pray that they would see that Christ came and died in their place for their sins. That the convicting, convincing work of the Holy Spirit would draw them unto thee this morning. May they know the forgiveness of sin, the salvation that is found in Christ before they leave. Do that work in each heart that only you can. Truly, Father, may we go forth rejoicing that it's been good to have been in thy house this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come, as I said, to the last of our answers, if you will, to this question, although in reality we could never completely answer the question um, because we're dealing with our infinite God. And how, how can you limit infinity? Because by the very nature, it's unlimited. Uh, we will never exhaust who our God is. And what a joy to know that there is coming a day when we will be in his presence forever. And it will never be exhausted. We will enjoy him. Some things kind of come and go, I think. 
Um, we enjoy things in life and we tend to set it aside. I, I think of my, my in-laws, they used to enjoy restaurants and they would focus on it and that's where they would return and then pretty soon it kind of would fade off and they'd find another one. God isn't going to be that way in heaven. We're not going to get tired of him. We're not going to be tired of his presence. I think at times that's hard to fathom because we can get tired of something in this life. But with God we won't be because he is an infinite God that we have all eternity to learn of his infinity. And what a joy to understand that. But as we look at this question, as we've been answering it, what manner of man is this? We have seen that Jesus Christ is the one who stills the storms in our lives. He is the one who saves our souls. He is the one who is the satisfier of the saints, as we saw that last week. And now we will look at this passage and others to consider that he gives us the picture of his being the shepherd to his sheep. If you will, turn to Psalm 23, a familiar psalm. We may be able to even quote it from memory as we read it. But Psalm 23, David's psalm, the shepherd's psalm as it's often called, he states, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As David penned this psalm, he notes to us that he is the shepherd of the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. We'll not go into details, but you know, the Lord quoted here, Jehovah. There is references in the Old Testament linking the Lord Jesus Christ to being Jehovah. There is that unity of the Trinity. And uh, he is the shepherd of the sheep. And uh, the psalmist so well paints that picture for us here. And uh, we'll delve into that some as we look at this and uh, other passages. We come to John chapter 10 uh, where he talks of being a shepherd, being the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15 state, as Christ is speaking, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. He cares for us. He cares for his sheep. He gave his life for them, as we see alluded to here in this passage. As we see in the Gospels, that's why he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He gave his life for us. In John 10 still... 
the sheep respond to his care. Chapter 10, verses 2 through 4 says, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Uh, verses 14 and 27 as well in here. And he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verses 2 through 4, 14 and 27. They're all kind of put together there, so if you didn't catch the verses and you're there, that could be a little confusing because I wasn't reading uh, beyond verse 4. But he notes in this passage about being the shepherd. It's interesting as we look at sheep in the sense of the context that we have here, um, the shepherds would often have a large sheepfold, uh, a stone wall around an area, and uh, many shepherds would bring their sheep into the sheepfold and have one shepherd laying across the doorway uh, to protect the sheep overnight. And in the morning, the shepherds would come and they would call their sheep. And the sheep would recognize the voice of their shepherd. The other shepherds, they would not recognize because it's not the voice of their shepherd. And uh, so he, he's giving them that picture, which I'm sure the those that are listening would understand because of the time that they were in and seeing the sheep uh, scattered on the hillsides and just knowing the context, even though they may not be shepherds themselves. But he notes that he cares for us. His sheep respond to his care. We know his voice. As we read the word, we are convicted and convinced by it. We know the truthfulness of it. He responds by taking care of us because he leads us out, showing us where we need to be. He feeds them. And again, using Psalm 23 as kind of the grid work for that somewhat, he does take care of us. The shepherd of the sheep feeds the sheep. He takes them to the pastures where they will find a good source of feed, grass if you will, as we make our way through this life, we can count on the Lord to give us what we need to help us to grow in Him. We don't have an unkind shepherd. It is interesting as we read through the scriptures and, and kind of look at that whole body, you find the picture of the shepherd as a reoccurring theme both in the Old Testament and the New. And the tender care that the shepherd has because the sheep can't take care of themselves. Shep, sheep are, from what I understand, you know, they're dumb critters. They need somebody else to lead them, to take them to the right places, to help them. If they get stuck, they typically cannot get unstuck. They have to have someone come and help them out. That's where the shepherd comes in. Now, I know it kind of insults ourselves to think, well, I'm a sheep. I'm that kind of dumb and helpless. As far as our spiritual lives are concerned, yes. Because we can't make ourselves more spiritual. There's nothing I can do to see Christ's likeness formed in me. 
There's nothing I can do for you in that sense to make it happen. It is the work of God in each of our hearts that changes us. It is God using His Word in us to feed us, not me. It's God that does the work. Oh yes, I may be the one giving it, but it's God that does the work with His Word in your heart. I can't do it. I can't manufacture it. God does, just like He does for the sheep. He takes care of them uh, in, in all aspects um, as we make our way, uh, he, we can count on him. As Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he does tell us, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are commanded to do that growing. It's interesting how that's there, and yet we are called upon. How can we do that? Can you make yourself grow? Can you add a cubit to your stature? To paraphrase another passage of Scripture, you know, when some of us, when we were younger, we probably wanted to. I would have loved when I was shorter to be taller. I know growing up as a young teenage boy, moms like to shower their affection on their children. And there are times in young boys' lives when they love their mom, but they don't always care for that public display of affection. And, you know, we kind of cringe at it. And in my home, mom gave me a way out. She said, when you're taller than I am, then I'll stop. Now, this was in junior high. She was five foot six. I was five foot. I had six inches to go. It took a while. But I made it in my freshman year in high school. But as I grew older, I thought, you know what? I do kind of miss that. There were times when I, ah, Mom, please, you know, there are people watching. My friends are seeing this. But I wanted to grow. <laughs> you know, stretch out, do whatever you could. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't manufacture it. But God does as we present ourselves in a way where we can grow. That is taking the word of God and bringing it into our hearts. Hearing the word of God. Having it minister. Putting ourselves in the position where God does use his word in us to see that growth happen. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, we may not like it at times. But it's a good thing. Because we're changed from the inside out. The shepherd leads his sheep to the green pastures where they can feed and where they can grow. The Lord leads us to the green pastures of his word where our souls can feed on the bounty presented there for us. What a joy to read the scriptures on a daily basis for ourselves and know that we can rely on the author, God himself who resides in us, to help us understand. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, as Jeremiah is prophesying and trying to encourage a rebellious and stiff-necked nation who's about to go into captivity, he states, 
Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. <coughs> Jeremiah succinctly states, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. He's not talking about the literal pages of Scripture. He's not talking about picking up the papyrus scroll and cutting out a portion and, and eating it. You know, not literally, speaking figuratively. Taking them in, digesting them, bringing them inside of us. Into the real us. And it says, and thy word was, was the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Is the word of God that to you? As we stop to consider its words, is it truly the joy and rejoicing of our heart? I trust that it is. Even those places where God steps on our toes and corrects us, that still should be the joy and rejoicing. Why? Because we needed the correction. We may not like it at the time, but it does yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness in us as we are corrected and brought into a right relationship with him. God help the sheep who doesn't take the time to feed on the word of God. I mean, you stop to consider that. If you don't eat, what happens? Eventually, you're going to pass away. You're going to die. We must eat. We need the nourishment physically. We need the nourishment spiritually. This book that we hold in our laps is our source of food. It is what God uses to grow us. Job would state this in chapter 23, verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I like food. I enjoy food. I like a good meal. I try to make sure that I keep it in moderation. But I like food. Enjoy it three times a day, snacks tossed in there every now and then. Watchful. But he's, Job states, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Are we willing to set aside our necessary food so that we can take in the word of God? Is our time in the scriptures more important than our necessary food? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he states, As newborn babes, he gives us that picture, as newborn babes, he gives us a command, desire the sincere miracle of the word that ye may grow thereby. Desire it, just like a baby desires. We've had children. We know their desire when they're newborns. They want to eat, and 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 they want to eat. They have a desire, and when that desire isn't there, we know that something is what? Something is wrong. If that baby doesn't want to drink, 
to take that milk. There's something wrong. And uh, correction needs to be done. A doctor needs to be sought out. Find out what's going on. Peter uses that illustration for us. Believers, just as that baby desires, it's driven by it. So you too are to be driven to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Do we desire it like a, a newborn baby desires the milk of its mother? We've got to have it. We should. John chapter 6, verse 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. What a joy to consider that and to experience it. That he's the bread of life. He's the water of life. And we will never hunger and never thirst when we partake and open up the word of God and read it. And obey it and see it grow and develop in us. Psalm 19, which I believe is a Davidic psalm as well, verses 7 through 10, he gives us what, I think I've mentioned it in the past in another context, a song has been put to this. Uh, the various verses are the verses, and then the last verse is the chorus. But he breaks down the word of God into various uh, pieces, as it were. And he states, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Some of the same words that the psalmist in Psalm 119 uses to depict what the Word of God is. And while that is the longest psalm, it is a psalm about the Word of God. And the psalmist who writes it, whether it's David, as Spurgeon typically believes it is, or someone else, the Word of God was much to them. But he notes here as he continues, he says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. What are to be desired and what is sweeter? The law, these things that he's talked about, the fear, the statutes, the testimonies, the judgments. These things are more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Is the word of God that to us? We read these scriptures as we see these words that the psalmist and others are writing. And we see them speaking of what the word of God is to them. I trust it encourages us to stop and ask the question. Can I say the same thing? I believe I've stated it. I'm no poet. My wife knows that. She doesn't get poetry from me. It's in my heart. I mean, I'd love to give her poetry, but it's, that was part of English that I had the hardest time with. I understood the mechanics of it. You know, the breakdown of what the iambic pentameter is and, you know, all that 
bouncing back and forth with what rhymes and what doesn't. The mechanics of it I have, but the writing of it, I, I'm, I'm all left-handed and just it just doesn't work for me. But as we read that, as we see the eloquence, as we see the heart, I trust our hearts throb with the same sentiment. Yes, the word of God is sweeter to me than honey. And yes, I like honey. It's expensive, but I like honey. It is sweet. I enjoy it. But the word of God is sweeter than that. We like to have the means to do things, more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, but I trust the word of God is more precious to us than that. As I consider, you know, my library and things, I love my books, but if the books were to be burned up, that's fine, but I want the word of God. That'll be the thing I'll be searching for to get out of there because I need that. The other books are good and helpful, but I can't go without the Word of God. It feeds us. He takes care of us. He leads them. Again, back in Psalm 23, He leads us to green pastures. Not only is the shepherd responsible for feeding his sheep, but he must lead them as well. Note where the good shepherd leads his flock. He leads them in the right path, verses 2 through 4 back in Psalm. Let me get back there as well. Verses 2 through 4, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He leads us in the right path. He knows where he's taking us. What a joy to get that settled in our hearts. We don't know the way ahead of us. God hasn't given us a chronology of our life. A timeline, if you will. To show us, this is what's going to happen to you. You know, he didn't give it to our parents when we were born and said, here, this is what's going to happen to Brian Ernsberger. This is how long he's going to live. These are going to be the events of his life. We're left with the unknown. But he is our shepherd. He's leading us. He knows where he's going. He knows what is best and right for us. And he leads us. He's there with us. He's leading. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't say, yep, yep, there's the path, now go follow it. There it is. There's your path. Now get on it and go. Enjoy it. Have fun. I'm going to sit back on my throne and just watch everything unfold. No, he leads us. 
He's the one first on the path. He's there to protect us. It is the right path. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The good shepherd leads his flock in the right path. And he gives us the light of his word to help us to see. Enough to continue on the path. That's all we need. Enough to take the next step. Many of us, I think, would love to see more. God, where is this going? I want to see more than just a step. And then there are times when I wish that I wouldn't want to know that. As we see events unfold and we think, oh my word, but God's here with us. He's leading us. He leads with the right peace. Though danger abounds on every hand, the sheep are safe in the presence of the shepherd. He notes that. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because he acknowledges, thou art with me. Yes, we may go through the valley of the shadow of death. We may have fears around us. We may have dangers lurking. We may be like the disciples in the boat. We're on a storm-tossed sea. But he is with us. The Lord Jesus Christ was with them in the boat, in the midst of the storm. The shepherd is right there with the sheep in the midst of this dark valley. With the fears, with the problems that are there, he's with us. Number one. Number two, his rod and his staff comfort us. He has the means to protect us. And to comfort and care for us. Psalm 119 again, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Even though the valley may be dark and mysterious and fearful, we need not fear. He's with us. And he has the means to protect us and continue to care for us. His rod and staff speak of those things. To allay the fears that we have, to put aside those that would seek our harm. Can anybody harm us when we're in God's care? Romans chapter 8 comes well to mind. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. We're his. He's with us. John chapter 14, verse 27. says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We need not have that. Why? Because our good shepherd, the great shepherd, is here caring for us, taking care of us watching over us. It is with the right protection. The shepherd knows how to protect the sheep. He is ever present and able to do so. 
We may go through the storms of life, yes, but he's there with us. And he watches over us. Jude states this in his benediction. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. What a glorious benediction. He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Why? Because he's our God. And nothing can stand in his way. He gives us the right provisions back to verse 5 of Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He knows and anticipates every need and always takes care of the sheep in the way he sees best. Because he knows what's best. May we understand that. God knows what is best for each of us. Say, but I think when it comes to God working in our hearts, we need to stop thinking and let God do what God knows best and trust Him. Paul in Philippians Notes, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He will supply. He will meet those needs. He will take care of us. He takes us to the right place. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We may not know where the path specifically leads. The storms of life that we will go through. The valleys that we will go through. But we rest assured our great shepherd is with us. We need not fear. He will lead us through. He's there with us. He didn't leave us. He's caring for us. And he's preparing a place for us. The end result, if you will, the end of our journey is heaven. The perfect pasture to keep our analogy going. where there is no valley of the shadow of death. There is nothing lurking to cause fear. We'll be in perfect peace. Christ to the disciples, as he has just told them some disturbing things in John chapter 13. There's a betrayer amongst them. Peter's going to deny. He no sooner states all of that than he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He was preparing his disciples not only for his departure, but also giving them comfort. I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to where I've been. Or in this case, in the, in the context, where he was about to go. To heaven. And I will come back and I will take you there with me. We were reminded in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as well of that understanding. And we are to comfort one another with those words. Our final pasture is heaven, a perfect place. And we can rest secure in knowing that between now and then, the shepherd of the sheep takes care of us. In a close and dear and intimate way, because he knows we need his every care. He feeds us. He leads us. He protects us. He watches over us. He's always there. The writer of Hebrews stated what's already stated in the Old Testament in chapter 13. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a great comfort. Yes, in the midst of the shadows of the valley of death, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm right there with you. I'm watching over you. I'm taking care of you. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He's there for us. Are you one of his sheep this morning? Maybe we've wandered away. We've gone a little cold and indifferent. Thought we could do it on our own. And we quickly find we can't. Sheep can't find their own good pasture. Their own good source of water. They stumble and fall into cracks and crevices. They get stuck. And they need help. Thankfully, the shepherd is there to care for us. He gives the parable of the, the hundred sheep. And the shepherd will go and find that one lost sheep. Why? Because he cares for the sheep. We may wander off, yes, headlong, in our own prideful way. But the shepherd is there with his rod and his staff. He gets our attention and he lovingly brings us back into the fold. Always. Because he loves us. He loves you this morning. If you've wandered, you can come back. He's there to receive you. He's there to forgive. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a loving, gracious shepherd Come back to his care. Follow him. He leads in the right paths. 
There are no regrets when we are in his care. Only joy and peace. His peace, his joy. May we know it today. He's there in the midst of the storms. What manner of man is this? Truly an awesome man. A great man. The God-man. Who loved us enough to die in our place for our sins. And he didn't stop there. He continues to care for us. May we trust in that care. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy word. We thank you for the truths that are here that speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak of you and your care of us. We pray, Father, that we would not wander astray. Sometimes we can get headlong. We can get prideful in ourselves thinking that we can do it better. We know a better place. Father, help us to rid ourselves of those kinds of really delusional thoughts. We don't know what's best for us. You do. And so may we simply trust. As we've sung this morning, trust and obey. For there's no other way. And Father, truly there isn't. And so Father, as we have considered those words in that hymn, may we live them out. Trusting you. Obeying thy word. For when we are in that place, we have your tender care in such an overwhelming way that yes, truly there is joy and rejoicing. We are well fed. We are cared for. We have a blessedness beyond our understanding. I pray that we would yearn for that. Father, I do ask that you would be at work in each of our hearts. If there is one that has wandered, maybe not far or maybe far, may they seek thy forgiveness. Now, you have been searching for them. You've been seeking to draw them back to, thy, to yourself. May this be the morning that they get things right with you and are brought back into thy tender, loving care. Maybe there is someone here that is not of that fold, Father. He's not trusted Christ yet. Show them their need of the Savior, that he died in their place for their sins, that he was their substitute. May they know that forgiveness, that cleansing, and become a child of yours. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and love and blessing upon us. Use your word as we close our service out this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.